Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running, international and yet understudied scene. And welcome back to Lingua Britannica with me, Jess Crook, and my co-host, Wes Robertson. Hello. This episode features the band Horrendous. And when I say the band, I don't just mean the vocalist, as is usually the case on this podcast. Instead, we have all four members of Horrendous. That is uh, Jamie, Matt, Damien, and Alex. Uh, guys, welcome to you all. Thank Hello. You. Thanks for having us. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously this is going to be a very different format for us. Um, so... I'll just ask this question to all of you and whoever wants to jump in may do so. So starting off, um, how would you describe Horrendous's music? Uh, what genre of metal would you say you fall into? Oh, the, the question none of us want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> I think for us, quite obviously, like we're, we're coming from kind of a death metal lineage. I would say at this point in our career, I think we... We don't feel like that, that term really kind of encapsulates what we're doing. Um, I certainly think that the tools that we're using to make our music are, are kind of death metal tools, I guess, and like death metal sounds. And of course, like many other varieties of metal throughout, throughout metal history. Um, but I think at this point in our career, we're really trying to step outside of, of the limits of what death metal kind of like prescribes. But that would be my answer if anyone else wants to add to that very slinky not not giving you a tag that's good i think i think that keeps things open it's it's tough when you're a band that i think is like trying to pull like the some core elements of certain styles of metal that we all really love and it's also like not really making music on a like using a criteria sheet either and so a lot of different things come into the fold um so I don't know. I think we've, we've all been in the conversation of like, what should we call? Mm. Like if we could come up with our own sort of tag to use as our own, what would we use? And we haven't, we haven't settled on anything, but I think that, you know, the world vaguely recognizes as like, uh, as a death metal band with leanings in like more experimental or wider ranging, uh, like musical decorations. Did you all come together based on like a shared interest in death metal, like initially, regardless of kind of how you've moved since then? Was was death metal the sort of genre that got you all into extreme metal? I guess that's probably how the band got started in a way, in the sense that, you know, Matt and I are brothers. We've we've always played in bands together, um, been interested in a lot of different types of, you know, metal and other heavier music. But um, I think when we met Damien, he was a he was a very big death metal guy, basically, and we had you know some interest in death metal. I think when we started playing together, that's just what felt the best to play together because we both had a 
you know, somewhat of a vocabulary in it and kind of were able to feed off of each other as we were, you know, just starting to play together and figuring out what we're even doing. You know, what what is this band going to be? Yeah, I feel like I honestly didn't even hear that much death metal other than like the absolute classics like death and morbid angel stuff before meeting Damien. He was kind of like the decrepit gatekeeper, I guess, of, <laughs> of all the death metal secrets that we started with. And I think for whatever reason, just like when we started jamming together, like with Damien, that just seemed to be to make the most sense, I guess, for all of us to play together. And it just went from there. Probably, probably my, my lack of... Uh ability to play anything else <laughs> <laughs> that was the true catalyst <laughs> i also wasn't there at the formation of the band these guys met you guys met in college right yeah at mm-hmm. columbia yep. south carolina yeah. yeah it was like 2019 i guess i mean jamie 2000 2009 2009 2009 what the hell am i saying 2009 almost 15 years i've only been with them for like seven years ish six or seven uh, and I did. I did not. I mean, I I listened to all kinds of metal growing up, but death metal wasn't definitely wasn't my like core upbringing. Um, it was probably like actually fairly low on my list of like metals that I was listening to a lot. There was definitely again like classics for sure, but I was like a thrash metal kid and like like super nerdy metal, like power metal and folk metal and stuff. Like I listened to a lot of that stuff when I was really young. So like I don't know. I feel like when I when I met these guys, it, they were sort of like listening to. Oh, it's pretty large variety. So definitely not like death metal rooted uh, as like a focus, but it was there. Everybody's list of metals. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it that drew all of you to that style of music then? Like, I mean, particularly if you were saying that like many of you didn't listen to it first, like what kind of like beyond, I suppose, Damien's influence, is there anything in particular about the death metal sound that, you know, appealed to you? Uh, in, a, in a weird way, I think part of it too is just like thinking of vocals. Like I love traditional metal, but and like the earlier thrash band <laughs> that kind of have like, I don't know, more clean singer, high pitched, like really operatic, athletic vocalists. And I also think part of it was just like, we can't, nobody's going to sing like this anyway. So like, what's something that we can actually do? And I think it very much did kind of grow out of, of the possibility and the tools that we had at the time. And it was, that's something that we could all do and make it sound convincing, I think, that like wasn't outside of our our range at the time for, for like a better term. So before you all started, um, you know, playing together, before you all started writing lyrics, uh, did you care much about lyrics and metal? Did you pay any attention to kind of what was going on? Like we've talked to people that used to, you know, buy the CD and rip out the lyrics and look at them and pour through them. And we've talked to people that just had no interest whatsoever. Where do you all kind of fall on that spectrum? Well, I, I haven't spoken much yet, so I'll, I guess I'll start with this one. <laughs> I mean, I I personally never cared about lyrics and I never like knew what the bands were saying, but I cared a lot about like album titles and song titles, hmm. and <laughs> which which is a little strange, I guess. but um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I love to just like see album titles and song titles and sort of let my imagination run wild about like what they could be talking about, but not actually care enough to to look it up. Mm. So that's my strange little answer there. Okay. <laughs> I think that's more uh, like, I think that that's an experience. I don't know if people talk about it all that often. We don't get a chance to like think about like how we interacted with these things first, but I felt... That's weird. In the metal world, I feel like I, 
I have this distinct memory. This is like very embarrassing, but it was distinct memory before discovering metal of like having Green Day CDs as in like elementary school mm-hmm. and carrying the lyric books around with me and like tracing, trying to like trace the fonts like on pieces of paper and like copying the lyrics on down to other pieces. And that was at a time where I like paid attention to lyrics more, I feel like when I was really young. Um, but when I got into metal, like it was also like, I've always been an instrumentalist. I've been playing since I was a kid. And like, that was, really was the focus for me too. I was always like enamored with the lyrics because I felt like the linguistic content was unlike everything else I was running into. So I definitely looked through the booklets and was like, sort of like enchanted by what was in there, but I didn't, unless it was sort of like the anthemic sort of like memorable choruses and things like that. I wasn't like super super glued on it but i did have a draw to it like it felt like some kind of like incantatory thing that like i wanted to interact with but i didn't really know how to until i got older and started being like a little bit more curious about like semantic content and wanting to be like oh like i guess people are putting a lot of effort into these lyrics even if i can't always tell what's going on Um, and then also started listening to a lot more music with like singing singing like a lot more metal with like traditional styles of singing which like i started paying attention a little bit more I also identify with Damien a little bit in terms of this, of being like, the lyrics weren't really the focus for sure. I was like, I really loved rhythms and riffs and stuff. Um, but there was definitely, something was haunting me about it for a long time. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I, especially in the context of death metal, like the vocals, like, yes, there are lyrics, but a lot of the time they aren't the focus. And it really is like about the vocals creating sort of, an atmosphere or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I guess that's that's part of what I was getting at with like being very intrigued by song titles and album mm. titles is is more just like the vibe or something that an album could give um, just by like reading those words, even if you totally ignored the actual lyrics. Are there yeah. like unintriguing album titles or song titles? Like you remember <laughs> buying a death metal album and like looking at the song titles and be like, oh, this sucks. <laughs> mm, that's a good question i don't maybe maybe one of those like dimmu borgir albums that's just like three random words <laughs> that <kind of laughs> nothing all about the conjuring in the end yeah oh my god definitely now i feel like i'm like now after we were just talking about this a little bit earlier like after consuming so much of the music and like just kind of being like playing around in atmospheric tropes or like linguistic tropes for a really long time just being like certain now sometimes i look at song album titles or song lyrics i'm just like just just like can we not do this again like can we not have like the same like it almost to the point where like the specific words of what they might mean like gloss over my brain because i'm just like you like you said something gross you said something esoteric you said something like super cheesy you know, and like, and guilty also personally in terms of like what I would name a thing. Like, I'm not saying I'm any different, but it's like you get to a certain point in which you start being like, oh God, like, you know, there is uh, like, there are tropes and you run into them a lot. And sometimes that means that you're like kind of judgmental or you don't really know, you're not really like interfacing with the, with the content. So do you think that those tropes are kind of essential to like the like identification of metal lyrics? Like, could you identify metal lyrics without those tropes as like you know being metal lyrics and not lyrics from some other genre for instance i don't know i I actually think i've been thinking about this a lot in the context of our lyrics actually um where i I do think there's like a there's a form of language that is used and a style of language that is used that isn't 
it doesn't even necessarily have to relate to the content or like what the message is. Um, and I think personally, I guess, as our band has grown and like explored different musical styles, I think as someone who write, writes lyrics for the band, it's obvious we moved away from kind of like gore, monsters, whatever, scary things after pretty much the first record. Um, and yet, to your point, if you were to open the lyrics and look at them, it's like divorced from any music, you know it's a metal record. And I think there's something to be said about like, you're playing into the language and the types of language that, that are used, much as like, I don't know, if you're playing a metal guitar riff or something, like you're very often playing similar intervals that are, that are in other metal music, right? Um, and, but I, I don't think, and I guess this is where our lyrics come in, I don't think that like the content has to be tied to the presentation and like the forms and this, the, the very particular like surface of the language. And in writing the lyrics, like I definitely use what I would say is like metal language, but often the, the message beneath or like what's actually being said using kind of those coded terms is like, much different than than most of what I'm seeing today, at least. But stuff that I would be writing, I think, and, and like a lot of us in general, kind of as we're approaching lyrics like this, but certainly more in the lineage of like Latter-day Death or something. And like not in the same style, but but using metal sounding language, for lack of a better term, to to communicate ideas that aren't horror or or death or monsters or whatever. Kind of like philosophical. Right? Yeah, it's like, like finding a it's like finding a way to delve into delve into philosophical thinking while still using the same type of language and like you're not crossing into philosophical language i mean we were guilty of that of course on like the new record to like that but um finding ways to like to have philosophical thinking discussion uh reflection while maintaining like the the aesthetic i think I guess that's what I've been getting at this whole time. It's like the aesthetic is still heavy metal, um, but the content is isn't necessarily. Yeah. And I and I guess that does kind of prove your point that like yes, I think there is a language that is very particularly metal, um, and that you can tell without hearing like a single note of music. Mm -hmm. You just look at it, you know that it is. And even like stranger than that, like I think there's a lot since metal has kind of come to like a crazy prominence again. I think. Um, a lot of artists that aren't necessarily metal are also kind of dipping into this language and this aesthetic. And you can see, even if it's a pop artist doing it, it's like, this is metal, but they're bringing it into the pop world, right? So I, I do think there's an independent existence of like metal terms. I don't know, metal terminology, the metal lexicon. Do you have an example of that, that you're of a pop artist doing that off the top of your head? I guess I'm thinking more like logo in my mind right now, like all the shirts for like, I don't know if it was like Miley Cyrus or something that looks like the Metallica logo or something. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. um, which I guess is more like presentation of mm -hmm. language. Um, I would have to think a little bit deeper in my mind to to come up with like lyrics that were used, but. Yeah, like the, the borrowing of the aesthetics. Yeah, for sure. And I can't think of any good examples in terms of lyrics, but I, I'm like nearly certain I've seen it happening. And maybe maybe I'm just like making a blanket statement because I'm seeing kind of like the visual aesthetic being mm -hmm. borrowed. But um, I think, I don't know, I guess the very fact that it is being borrowed to me just speaks to the fact that, that 
there is something there. There is something that is uniquely this. Okay. I mean, this might be a difficult question to answer, but can you think of any kind of hallmarks of metal language that like you think are, I don't know, present in a lot of the like lyrics that either you yourselves write or that you've seen like, you know, elsewhere that exist independent of like, you know, the stereotypical themes of uh, metal that we've talked about. So like you're saying, wait, so you're, you're wondering if there are things that are like patently, patently metal language that are not archetypical, that are not, that are outside of like the, the tropes? Well, they can still be arch archetypal, but like, uh, but I'm talking about like actual like linguistic practices that aren't necessarily like connected to like themes, like, you know, Satanism, let's say, right? That would be like more of yeah. like a theme, that'd be content, but like, you know, in terms of like actual, just like um, language style, like what mm. kind of like strikes you as being like typical metal language, not necessarily typical metal theme. This is the only thing this is, and I'm, I can get this out of my brain because this is like one of the only like, I would mm -hmm. say like hard examples that mm -hmm. crossed my mind in terms of thinking about this interview, which is I was thinking about some of the records that precede my joining the band um, and some of the lyrics on, on Aretta and thinking about how like I think something that happens a lot in metal that is not necessarily like a specific theme it's almost like a like a a reaching towards or like a hearkening to a kind of like linguistic world that is like the only way i can describe it is like a 19th century like historical poem like mm -hmm. there's a lot of like i'm thinking of like coleridge or something where there's like a an epic poem that is like reaching back into ancient history and is like bringing a lot of mythological figures up and then like spinning like using the core of the mythological tales as like a way to create new you know like a new linguistic versions of those like i'm thinking mm -hmm. about Ozymandias. Mm -hmm. i'm thinking for like even like obelisks like certain songs where like for us but also lots of you see this in metal a lot where like uh lyrics are hearkening back to some kind of uh piece of history or a mm -hmm. character from history mythology and sort of like using it in this kind of like the, the the language is very theatrical it's very it's very much in i would say in the lineage of epic poetry like 100 like a lot of i think that if you open there i could think of a, a number of bands or if you open their lyric booklets like this could have existed in like a classical text that you would learn in like in english coursework in university or something like that um mm -hmm. and that has like you know like has a certain kind of like lilt to it like even if it's not in a particular even if it's free verse and it's like not in a particular rhyme scheme or something like it has kind of like a you know like a, a kind of flow to it that is very much kind of like older styles of of oral poetry yeah hmm. uh, that makes me think i mean i think the obvious like reach here too is is kind of the classic horror writers in the english language anyway so i mean like obviously a lot of like Edgar Allan Poe worship, like H.P. Lovecraft. And I think in their descriptions as well, like kind of how descriptive and like floral their writing is um, and decorative, I guess. I, I think that comes to my mind. I'm thinking of metal, metal lyrics too. And it's like divorced even from like their heart, their horror content, like their use, how many adjectives are on a page to like describe one thing, you know? And I think when it comes to metal lyrics, like so much, is in the description of a thing rather than rather than like the noun itself. I almost feel like the noun takes a huge backseat to how it is being described. And mm. there's like so many 
I would, this is funny because I, I happened to buy Leprosy the other day, of like the record. Um, of course, I've heard it hundreds of times, but reading the lyrics, it's like half the songs are just, each stanza is kind of saying the same thing, but just finding like new, disgusting ways of saying it. So it's like, all right, someone's skin is falling off, but here's <laughs> five different ways of talking about how the skin is falling off. And I think that to me rings very true of like, again, like H.P. Lovecraft, a whole fucking like page is spent explaining one thing or one person or one place. And I think to me, a lot of metal lyrics are that. It's like getting as descriptive and nitty gritty as you can with whatever the topic is and whatever the, the horror is, I guess, um, to make you squirm, to make you sit inside of the story that's being told. I think um, something else, like going beyond the the imagery, something that we do in our lyrics is we care about how the words actually sound. Um, like I think that we we use a lot of like alliteration and mm -hmm. consonants, um, and even like I don't know. I I I've kind of I kind of like the sound of like inter sentence rhyming um and i think that's something that is sort of unique about about our vocals and and how we structure the lyrics um because it's not just about the story that they're telling or the message um but also the way the way we describe the thing or the way we tell it so kind of building off this question of um you know the way your band does lyrics could you just broadly describe how it works with all of you being involved in the lyric process? Like, is it, this is my song, I write all the lyrics, or like, do you come together? Are there disagreements where someone's like, I don't like that line, I do like this line, and there's clashes? How do you, like, how do you resolve that? What is the, what is the process for lyrics, given that so many people are, are involved? It's usually pretty, pretty much a, like people assigned to song. And it happens more, almost more in terms of like, who feels the inspiration, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. you wrap up, um, and lyrics are always last for us, always, and that's even after, oftentimes, like, figuring out vocal patterns first, sometimes, it's like, this is how I'm going to sing it, and then the words sometimes come after that, but I think a lot of it is, someone is excited by a song, there is an idea that the song speaks to that person and they write it and that's kind of how it happens and it's usually pretty hands-off I feel like the changing of lines and things like that usually happens more in the studio where it's like people are actually trying to record we're trying to record vocals of the lyrics and it's like oh shit this line doesn't fucking fit what am I going to do or like there's all this empty space here that I probably should have put words in and then we all kind of like scheme of what to put there so there's definitely a collaborative part um that I think happens especially in that like real time moment. Um, but other than that, it's pretty hands off, I'd say. And we kind of, I think we like giving each other that space to, to explore that and, and not really feeling the need to critique it much. If you were to kind of like go back and think about yourselves in 2009 when you released your first EP or even 2012 when you released your first album, 
what do you think is the biggest difference in how you all approach writing together? Uh, or is everything kind of the same from that starting point? In a way, I mean, I think process is still pretty similar in terms of like, even back then it was still like, all right, Jamie gets these songs, like Damien will do these songs, you know? I think the biggest change has been in like what it is that we're trying to say. Um, and that that is like wildly different now. Um, like the first record and the first EP was was very much just kind of a worship or like nostalgic kind of monument of sorts to to what is and that what we were listening to at the time. And like they're they're scary, they're fun, they're gory, they're they're very typical of what you would find in the genre, I think. And very hor as, horror uh, horror movie influenced. <laughs> yeah, certainly like horror movie influence, like space. <laughs> the unknown yeah um and i think as the music expanded in terms of sounds in terms of experimentation i i think we just didn't feel like those that really cut it anymore it just didn't make sense um and that's really what in my opinion anyway that's really what like drove us to to start exploring some other themes and other ways of writing lyrics and other things to think about really like what else, what is our music saying? It's certainly saying more than just this. It's not just about like getting eaten by a zombie or something, you know? Like the music just felt much more sophisticated than that. And I think the lyrics kind of had to follow suit. Are these discussions that you've actually had on like the metal level? Like, or because if, if you're all writing kind of in, like this is my song, this is your song kind of thing. It seems like that could create um, a situation where the songs in the album don't have any clear links like is there a, a broader discussion where you sit down and say okay everyone has their songs but the album itself has this kind of broader theme or are you do you just kind of let the songs be independent i i don't remember any discussions like that ever that we've had i think <laughs> we still kind of do the independent thing and I don't know, maybe there's like indirect pressure on each other of like, yeah. oh crap, Matt's really, Matt's are really good. I gotta like, you know, turn it up a little bit here. But we've never had any discussions about we need to work harder on this or we should focus on these themes or we really, don't coordinate at all. Yeah, I think thematically. Uh, maybe we just have similar life experiences at the times when we're like writing these lyrics and that because of that there end up being these common threads. I mean, that's my guess, I would say hmm. at this point um whereas like again like our first like our demo was damn we're, we just recorded these like five instrumental songs we need to like write lyrics in a day so we just like did it you know <laughs> like it's it's not like that anymore <laughs> yeah I, strangely enough though i i think i do think there is a lot of influence in terms of like who finishes things first too so it's like all right the first song came back that someone finished and i do think that there's maybe an indirect element of of influence there too where you as jamie was saying like you not just that you see someone's work and you think it's great but also like i wonder if that sometimes spins the wheels a little bit but we've also been experiencing the past couple of records that there seems to be some force that is like unifying all of this and again whether it's our experiences whether it's the fact that we're just working together all the time um but there seems to be this current that 
is binding things together hmm. for us and it, this is crossing into some type of like i don't know mystic like shared consciousness or something i don't know between us but um i have felt that regardless of of any intention to do so that the last couple of records we've done like really are pretty thematically coherent um and it's often a surprise to us like the record kind of is over and and we're looking back and part of why we love doing interviews like this is it gives us a chance, I think, to to really take stock of everything that's that's there and stories and, and narratives and perspectives kind of start falling into place almost like after the fact. Um, in ways that I almost think if we sat down and we're like, we're going to write the record about this, like that would probably end up being a shitty record by us. I think there's there's this element of like spontaneity and this element of uh, trusting the, the muse, I guess. And then looking back afterwards, like once we're done the absolute like fever pitch hysteria of like making the album and stepping back and breathing. Oh my God, look at this thing. And there's always something there, which is cool. Hi. I mean, you kind of talked about like, um, you know, writing the songs independently and stuff and then ending up with like something that is thematically coherent. I wondered like, I mean, do each of you kind of have like your own kind of unique writing styles or do you, because I mean, when we were reading the lyrics, I mean, I don't know, Wes, you can disagree with me here, but like, I don't think the lyrics kind of read like they were obviously written like by different people. No, they, I, they had like a consistent like linguistic kind of style, right? Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't like be able to confidently divide them into categories, no. Yeah, so like I mean, did you guys yeah, ever talk about like like using a consistent style? Like okay, this is going to be like the horrendous like lyric writing style yeah. <laughs> and everyone has to kind of cohere with that or have you just kind of ended up, you know, again by chance like writing in a very similar style? Uh yeah, I, I probably think that is just like our experience of working together for so mm -hmm. long, probably. I'm sure we've influenced one another um, and just, you know, reading each other's work and and inspiring each other. Um, but yeah, we never like set out the horrendous lexicon or anything, yeah. uh, but maybe, maybe, maybe we should. <laughs> the horrendous style guide? Yeah. Yeah. The some, sort book of, is like uh, come out. some sort of tome that comes with the album. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if like, I mean, this is just a guess. I, I mean, like, it's it's very fun to speculate about these things. Sure. Um, I I don't participate in a lyrical production. So this maybe helps. This is there's one less, mm. uh, one less person to to sort of like potentially muddy the the you know, the linguistic unification. <laughs> but, but, you know, like, I do think we share in common, like, if I if I read a set of lyrics, and I was like, this really doesn't feel like I feel like I'm tuned into the kind of content the kind of like atmosphere or aesthetic that the band like generally reaches for and I like that place that the band reaches for mm. I think we all have this in common that like most of us like metal with like more I, I don't want to say serious but like sort of like with a lyrical depth to it you know like no one out of the four of us I think like prefers to listen to like you know metal bands that are about like pizza and zombies you know mm and like slamming beers like like <laughs> there's maybe like we all have parts like they're all you know small corners of our loves of metal that have some of that like more silly 
thing going on but i think all of us generally like when we when i think about like all of the musics that we like the most from the metal world like they're all like usually fairly philosophical very serious or like dark or what or something you know like uh, it's it, it differs i don't want to say that it's all the same but just so I, I wonder if that affinity across the four of us like contributes to at least there being like a little bit of a stylistic focus mm -hmm. that that tricks a reader into not being able to differentiate between writers yeah i mean and this actually like relates nicely to uh the next question that i wanted to ask so uh there's been this kind of ongoing debate on the podcast um as to whether or not extreme metal should be viewed as kind of escapist fantasy and entertainment or like a genuine reflection of the artist's own like views politics and identities so we wondered what your position is on this because like a lot of your lyrics for instance do regularly deal with um you know themes of like satanic packs uh grisly rituals and people disavowing gods um so is this uh you know all just in the aim of the shall we say like horrendous um or broadly speaking are these themes and stories meant to connect with like you know your personal like identities opinions um you know real issues in the real world that's i think for us personally um we definitely want it to connect more and not just to, i think when i'm sitting down to write lyrics anyway i don't just want it to like express me or express what i think i think I want the audience to to think as well, and I don't even necessarily want to give them something to uh, agree with necessarily, but I, I think there's something to feel and I, I want them to, to me, our music is so emotive and, and so evocative, and I want there to be ideas that are equally as stimulating there. Hmm. Um, and metal as a whole, should it be escapist or not? I, that's hard to say um i a lot of my favorite bands i would say have more like escapist lyrics like i'm at the end of the day my favorite bands are still like judas priest and iron maiden and all them and i don't those things do come for me those things make me feel good so i i think there's room for both and i think mm. both are are important and i think in some ways they they balance one another and mm. i do think especially on our on our newest record i think we kind of do have a balance of that as well like there are songs that are a bit more like meant to make one feel good and there's and then there's songs that are there to make you think and in a way i think maybe that is that's the secret of why some of metal's power is that it can be equally mindless and yet also uh really hefty and i because of the heftiness of the music like that is why i if we want to thinking of lyrics in general across metal alex is mentioning like i don't know epic poetry like and these more complicated linguistic forms i do think because of the nature of the music it's like natural to also slide in like difficult words and difficult ideas that that don't necessarily always have a home in other places because it just doesn't doesn't seem right um so i guess my answer would be i think i think there's room for both and, and it's absolutely necessary that both are there and i think everybody who loves metal like loves bands that are more just for an escape and then equally loves bands that aren't that are like you're really trying to make me content with something, whether it's self or, or world or whatever. 
Well, I think, think um, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to add to that and say, I don't know if this will make sense, but I feel like in our lyrics, a lot of the like the imagery we use is essentially escapist and like, um, you know, painting a picture of like whatever, something fantasy or something like satanic. But the the message behind it often is some sort of philosophical battle or, or something that we've, you know, had in our own personal lives hmm. um so it kind of is both at the same time but through these different elements hmm. well that actually yeah, links both. all really well to um our first question about like your specific lyrical choices because you mentioned kind of the big words and the epic poems and things like that um and we noticed that throughout all your albums so far there's a definite trend for the inclusion of like multi-syllabic words uh which maybe the average person wouldn't be familiar with Examples include uh, dendrites, purloined, sanguinary, uh, aeons ensconced in Sumerian shade, nepeth, <laughs> sidereal, suzerian, anidonia, and on the new album we have uh, chrysopoeia, uh, preterition, uh, exogenesis, and ontological. What is the goal or aim in using these kind of words that many people might not know? Like, what impact would it have on your ultimate artistic statement if, for instance, the song uh, Chrysopoenia was just the, alche the alchemic production of gold, or a line like narcotic hush to calm your trepidations was uh, drugged hush to calm your worries? Mm. I'm sure we all probably have different thoughts on that. God, yeah, <laughs> I have so many. Uh, for it, so I'm going to speak very quickly so others can... Give it. I, I think for me part of it is just the mystery too it's like I I have some of those words I didn't know either and I was kind of searching for like a way I think it's double double edged it's like in one way I want it to sound uh I want it to flow more I want it to sound uh a little more sort of looking pretty I guess at the end of the day and I, I want it to sound something that that I don't hear all the time. And I want it to stop me in my tracks. And at the same time, I do also like a bit of mystery in there. Um, that that kind of, add, I just feel like that all adds to the atmosphere of the song for me anyway. But we can just go down the line here. Yeah. I think this relates heavily back to your last question, actually, to some degree which like, I do think it's a little bit of a false debate because like lots of different people take different approaches in terms of like whether something is a political representation, you know, like whether like, you know, someone who's writing esoteric, you know, uh, uh, lyrics about demons and old seals and magical texts, like whether that's something that somebody actually wants you to study or whether they think it's like a fun aesthetic world to escape into for a moment. Um, and I think this is, goes the same in terms of like, this reminds me of something that Matt told me many years ago. And I, even though I understand that it is very reductive and maybe even somewhat cheesy, like Matt once told me in a private conversation, we we're talking about like metal music and why we're still have this connection to it at this point in our lives after so long is that like metal is about being like larger than life, right? Like that's, and that, and that like, and I think that that holds true literally regardless of what genre you go to. Even if you listen to like some de super depressive black metal that's about like literally like contemplating like not being alive anymore like there's something about like it, like turning up the volume on a particular feeling so that it is like almost larger or like 
you know, like then sort of like the the dry description of the event of like depression or something like that, right? And I think like in terms of the word choice, right? Like if you were, I'm thinking of Wes, like this example you used about like the 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 drug, you know, like drugs to calm your worries. It's like, oh, well, we say that, we have that, we have that language already. We're having that conversation all the time. And like metal's not here for that. Like metal is trying to go, like to bring you to a state that is like beyond like the quotidian. And so like the use of these words, like I feel like almost as a kind of like magical tongue, like puts you in that state of mind. Like it makes you, it makes you wonder for one, right? Like it makes you like search for things. You're, then I think poetry does this too, right? It's like poetry exists because like everyday language is, is, is not providing something. There's, some, there's, a, there's a lack or there's some place that everyday language is not bringing us. So like if metal's about being larger than life, it's like, well, then the words have to be larger than life too. The words have to be larger than like the linguistic space of our everyday experience. And like, and it also goes back to Damien's point about sort of like, not just the, the, the sort of like the type of word, but also like when you say something like ens ensconced or something, you know, like there's like a serpentine quality to it, you know, like there's many different ways you could, other words you could use, but when you're, when, Damien or Matt is like singing that word on top of the word just being kind of weird on and then you add like the vocal style and the, the delivery of the word like this is all part of a kind of like magic formula of of the music and I think that like there's there we have no choice like yeah. these words show up because of like it, it they're they feel like directly equipped to achieve the purpose I, I love that you said that like phrasing this answer um and the, <laughs> I think the other thing I like about it too is that it is, it's not just making experience and kind of bringing it to this level of being larger than life, but I also think it works backwards of like, I, I was thinking about this a lot in making the new record of like backwards, reverse engineering the mind to also like start to think of everyday life as the larger than life event, because it is like, even though if you were the only human being on the planet, like your experience would be monumental. It's just that everybody is having an experience. There's, there's billions of us. And so everything seems like it is uh, ordinary and every day. And I, I think the language also kind of works in that other direction where I'm hoping anyway to like see heroic moments in the things that, that we're all just doing all the time and in the thoughts that everyone is having all the time that they don't get to express maybe or that they aren't even aware they're thinking but they are mm -hmm. and i think that's a part of of the package that you were kind of talking about too yeah you mentioned briefly um a, a desire for the language to be a bit pretty uh, is that like at odds at all with, uh, death metal? Is it, I mean, your band's name is horrendous, right? Like is, is the, <laughs> is the aim for pretty language, uh, something that, that matches the, the grind and the, you know, the darkness that kind of often is associated with this genre? I think in a way for me, um, to me, the hallmark of the band, and I think what it ultimately separates us from a lot of other people is how we particularly use melody. And there are a lot of melodic death metal bands, but I, I don't think that the way that we use melody is, is similar to how they're using it. And 
I do think that those two often match up. So it is, yes, I think that the language and the prettiness of the language to me does actually match like these moments of uh, transcendent experience, I guess, that we're trying to get from the melody. And, and ultimately all the darkness of the record, I think, only highlights even more like those those explosive moments of melody and we, we don't use them a lot but that's kind of the point it's like you have to have this contrast you have to have this like force that's working against um and that just when that moment is revealed and when that that beautiful moment is revealed i think it's, it's all the more powerful um so to me having the language kind of mirroring that as well we're like yes the language is like in content dark but in terms of how it sounds going back to like the physical act of speaking like how does the tongue move how does your mouth feel when you say it like does it seem more decorative than other language and i, I think there's that that element kind of ties into the music for me so in order to produce this kind of language do you all use like a thesaurus because we've had um we've had debates uh uh on this podcast so some people that are very pro thesaurus and some people who think like you should never look up a word uh do you actively like when you're writing use these sources to find new vocabulary and is it the same for all of you or yeah is, do you, yeah or yeah. some of you pro thesaurus some of you anti yeah we're gonna have a live debate right now yeah. that's what it, yeah I'm, I'm excited i i also feel like a lot of the phrases that you brought up earlier that you're kind of pulling from the songs Jamie wrote, so I'm curious to see what he said. Isn't that true? I don't know. If that's yeah, true. there's like multiple. I would say like 60 percent of the phrases brought up are stuff that you have written. So. Yeah. Well, for so like for Sapuya, I'm not even sure how to fully say it, but I I feel like I came across that word around the time when we were writing these lyrics, and it like I probably had to look it up and was like, oh damn, this is like kind of like the exact meaning I want this song to convey. And it just kind of worked like it was just a timing thing where I came across it. Um, whether I use a thesaurus ever, I mean, occasionally, I guess. Um, I don't usually set out to like, I got to find a crazy word for this song in that <laughs> sense. Um, I, yeah, I would say I dabble in it with, like when I feel like it's necessary when I like literally cannot think of a word, um, but I, I don't. I wouldn't say I try to find large multi-syllable words necessarily to like, you know, just throw people off or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of, I, a lot of it's just luck, like coming across ideas and like when I go to write a song, I might still have, you know, remember those ideas from the past. Hmm. What do you think, Jake? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, a thesaurus is just a tool, and like we're making. Art. <laughs> hey, here it is. I mean, well, I, I don't. Are you implying that my answer is that I just read the thesaurus? <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. Okay. I was just excited about like the 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 sort of like the bluntness of that and being like, yeah, yeah. it's true. It, it, yeah, it, it exists mean, for a reason. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I personally, I don't think, I think setting a rule that you shouldn't use a thesaurus doesn't really make sense. But um, so, yeah, I've, I've definitely used one before. Um, but like Jamie said, a lot of it is sort of like happenstance timing of like, you'll, you'll read something cool and come across like a really neat word. And then it just enters your, your mental lexicon. Um, 
and you you end up using it in when you're crafting these lyrics mm. and I mean even and then going back to the thesaurus point I mean you like at least when I use a thesaurus I mean you're still you're still crafting a stanza or or a line like you're chasing you're something coming, right like you don't just look in the thesaurus and say oh yeah that's like a different way to say this word like you're still considering whether it matches the tone um or fits the rhythm or fits the sound like we were talking about of like the actually singing the word um so there's still like even if you're using this tool to to spark ideas um it is just a spark yeah yeah What's your thought? What's your thoughts on this debate, Kim? Well, it's funny. I, I again, like I'm not. I don't contribute um, to the the lyrical output of the band, but I, I am. Uh, I do write a lot, and I've had my I've had my own internal battles with the the question around the thesaurus. But I, there's something that happens to me frequently, which is that like I know that there's a word out there that I've encountered or 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 read or spoken at some point, and I know. And I've written it some other way. And I'm like, this isn't what, this isn't quite the term that I was looking for. And it's driving me insane. And that is the most frequent use for me, especially now I'm back in school right now. I'm back in college. So I'm like writing essays and like, you know, you're writing pages, page after page. And you're also like writing around a fucking theme. So like your language is looping around itself all the time, but you're like, your your brain's kind of like slowly starting to like expand into the idea. And you're like, ah, like there's, there's some extra detail that's being left out because I haven't found the right term or I haven't created the right term, which is often the case with like academic writing. If you're like theorizing about something, like trying to like come up with a way to encapsulate something. So I feel like I, a lot of the time, like sort of in what the, in the way that Damien was pointing towards is like, there's some, there's kind of like a, a, a thread that I'm chasing and I just can't, my brain is just not high powered enough to like, find the terms that I know that I need. And so I'll like look up the terms that are adjacent and then be like, ah, yes, it was like vestibular I was thinking about. I don't know, like something crazy, but it's mostly usually as like an assistant to something that's like already happening, you know, in my brain. I can't think of very many times in which I was like, I think this word, this, I should have a better word or I should think that this should be more complicated or like, I really want an esoteric term. Um, it's usually like, chasing some kind of thing that's burning in my brain. So from what you're saying, it sounds like there's more to it than just like looking for like a big word equivalent to like an everyday form, right? Yeah, no, of course. Um, so like, and yeah, can you explain that? Yeah, keep like, going, sorry. Like the criteria, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think strangely enough in my writing, uh, I often, this happens to me a lot where I'm writing a line and I hear the word that I want and I sometimes don't remember what the word means, but I'm like, ah, oh, this word would sound really nice here because of what kind of preceded it, either the line before or lines above or whatever. Um, and I've had this funny experience sometimes where it's like, yes, that's it. And then I kind of double check what the word actually means. I'm like, oh shit, that's not the word I want. It sometimes works against me. It's really funny, oh, yeah. but I think so much of it is based on sound for me. It's poetic. Um, yeah, it is. And it's, I think there's a big difference between like, 
I'm going to write a sentence and then translate it using my thesaurus and just replace all the words that I mm -hmm. that I had in there to to keep the same meaning. I'm like I, that wouldn't work, obviously. So I think I think to suggest that one shouldn't use a thesaurus is ludicrous, mm -hmm. honestly, because number one, like I don't know what the alternative is. It's like you can only use the language that you've you've been given access to basically through your life experience so far it's like why just use the fucking thing you know <laughs> and on this like every, everyone's had this experience right of like you're writing something or you're talking and you use a word because it like feels so proper feels right yeah. literally mm -hmm. based on i don't know if it's sonically or if it's sort of like the for some reason you've projected an aesthetic value like on a word and then you yeah. find out that the meaning is like completely inaccurate like how does that happen yeah. what is the like what is the fucking link what's the ex the neurological explanation for that and when i write poetry a lot that happens all the time where there's like a word in which i feel so sure that this is what i want to use and it like could not be further afield of like what i actually wanted to like say you know mm. like what's going on in the brain when that happens i have no clue gotta study man gotta study more you know gotta gotta <laughs> memorize the memorize the dictionary yeah, for sure, 100%. <laughs> well, we actually, um, one of the songs that we thought was a bit interesting on the new album in terms of like the way that the language was used is uh, the final uh, track, the, the Death Knell Ringeth, um, which despite uh, the use of old English forms, because you have Ringeth in the title, and you do have some big words in there like uh, Gossamer Disguise, the song's ending of I'm ringing the death knell, go to hell, kneel for no lord, time's too fucking short, strutting all night, Satan nips at our heel, decked out in leather and steel, seems to be almost like out of place for the album in a way, uh, especially with um, fucking even shortened to fucking with like the apostrophe. <laughs> um, why did you, like, we, I don't know who wrote this one, but why did you decide to take this kind of straightforward, almost casual approach to language on the, the very, very ending of the album? Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I definitely did it. I did do it intentionally. It was intentional, yeah. I mean, it's, I think partially it's like an homage to more classic uh, metal in terms of like feel, I think, at least to me. Uh, I mean, part of that's just like the topics that I was, you know, bringing up at the time. But uh, I don't know, something about ending with this, like simplifying everything and just being like, like we're out of here, fuck you. I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like a good idea at the time. Um, I, I mean, I, I, you're right. I mean, the beginning, the, the beginning of the song has more like prettier language, I guess, right? Um, <laughs> and some you know words and phrases that are probably a little bit more thought out than what you're bringing up um yeah i don't know i'm not sure in terms of my why i really did it i can't tell you um we all have our own reads yeah. on this damien what were you gonna say controls oh i was i was just <laughs> i was just gonna say <laughs> i feel like the style of the lyrics in that song especially at the end match the the message of the song which is kind of like jamie was saying it's just like you know we're gonna do our own thing now um and i think the the more direct nature of the words uh even with abbreviation there um i think that matches that tone i think so too i 
I think just to, to sort of like, as my own sort of like poetic read on this thing, like the record has a lot of, there's a lot of like rising above happening on the record and like traveling through, you know, transformations of certain kinds to come to another point. And I think like we've all been talking collectively about how the, this record in particular is kind of like a casting off of all doubt. And is kind of like, or at the very least, like stepping forward with a little bit of confidence in terms of like what the band can do musically, lyrically and such. And like to and have that song at the end, which is kind of like, a, it is slightly out of place, but it's also sort of like the result of having like traveled through all of these different transformations, having like risen through like, you know, like once you pe literally pierce the shield of the universe, which is a line from Cult of Shadow, you know, like you get to these certain heights, like, well, once you've gotten up there and you've really believed in yourself to get up there, well, it's sort of just like, you know, like the metal world is a very judgmental place and we're not a necessarily a band that fits very easily into little cubby holes of like comfy genres. And that's caused us a lot of struggle. That's caused us a lot of doubt it's made us like feel certain ways about whether like we're doing the right thing or not and like also feeling like maybe sometimes like a little pissed because we're like we feel like we're doing something really original and other people who are not doing very original things are like more successful than us you know like just being completely vulnerable you know about this and being like this is a feeling and then once you get to a place in which we're like well we that's just insecurity talking like that's just discomfort talking and then getting to this place of rising above that and becoming like a new version right was like all of a sudden then we kind of be like we're not gonna waste any time on that kind of bullshit like it's kind of like not like fuck you and like all of you suck but almost like a fuck you to our past doubts like a fuck you to anyone who thinks that who might think that what we're doing is silly because we're not doing this we're taking the simple path because we're not like fitting into some of these like more comfortable things so it's kind of like i don't know it's a side of us that exists and i think it's like maybe the first time in a while that it's gotten to exist through a song. And I think to close the record that way, it's just kind of like a, a beacon for like, just being like, don't forget that we're also like, you know, we're not afraid to be brash, but we're, you know, it's like, it's serious and no nonsense at the same time. Hmm. Well, like talking more about patterns that we saw in your lyrics uh, and other surprising things. Um, so we noticed that we're pretty sure you don't have a single song written in the past tense. Uh, so there are lines that are past tense, but the framing of all your songs uh, on all your albums uh, is in the present. So instead, you, you tend to like adopt uh, this is happening now perspective, um, as in lines from the new album, like I will coax you out like vermin hiding in every crawl space in your heart and you'll flow out binding, uh, blinding. Uh, let it begin scalpel pirouettes in deft abominations uh, or behold the Garden of Eden bathed in ultraviolet and uh, fulmination. Uh, at most, there are references to something that will occur, um, as in, <laughs> and when you've reached the end, you'll bear witness to the new Leviathan, or if you need me, God forbid, I'll be uh, out back shooting at stars. Um, so why do you think you avoid framing things uh, in the past? And why do you tend to like adopt this kind of here and now perspective? I'm like flabbergasted. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, that, that never occurred to me. Hearing all these things are very funny. Um, <laughs> I, I do think as part of this mess, part of the record is like <laughs> talking about transformation. I think it's it's an invitation for the listener to do it. And I have I think I have always felt in my own writing anyway, in, in writing songs, like 
I always like having my lyrics kind of mirror the music and like, it's not just uh, content that is put to the song. I'm also, it also kind of dictates like, if the riff is fast paced and there's a lot of notes, like I'll often put a lot of words that mimic that or like, if this is a point of emotional kind of like crescendo, there will be longer stretches of lyrics that like mimic it. And I, I think I always try to, to make the experience of the words <laughs> match the story um, and match exactly what's going on in some cases. I, I just feel like it's this really, it can become this incredibly powerful and like kinetic uh, experience in, in lyric writing. So for me, like doing it in present tense just also kind of matches that. It's like, this is happening now, always. It's the eternal present. When you have the song on, it's happening again. And again, tying it back to this new record, it's like so much of these songs are messages about uh, acting, about um, taking, I don't know, taking control of your life or your situation or whatever it is and like, stepping into yourself and stepping into your being and i think it's it's vital in a way to to have it in the present tense because it's if you listen to it once and it didn't hit you then and like you weren't ready for it or whatever it's like anytime you turn it on it's it, we're kind of there saying the same thing like here's your reminder <laughs> like now is still fine even if you didn't do it yet now's the time now the time is always now the time it's here you know I think also um, just like the present tense, and this is this is probably just like a stylistic thing. Obviously, we never like set out like, oh, we're a band that only uses the present tense. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I that think was the it, only rule. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's just more immersive um, from a from a storytelling perspective. Um, I don't know the way I view it is like past tense is like someone just recounting a tale. Whereas the present is like, you're actually, you're experiencing it right now. Um, like you are the story um, as opposed to just, you know, recounting it to someone else. And I think even this just occurred to me, but like going back to the sort of larger than life thing. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> we can, I'll see if I can remember that for later. <laughs> okay. There was, there was a connection. Probably would have been great. Would have been <laughs> what might have been lost. It might come back to you. You never know. Yeah. Well, um, these next questions aren't aren't as large trends as like you know past tense being missing or or big words appearing a lot. But we did notice some uh, thematic trends that again were were a little surprising to see given that so many different people are involved in vocals uh, and lyrics. And uh, one was that the the topic of like gods, angels, devils, and demons appears quite frequently throughout all your albums so far. Uh, so for instance, uh, since 2012's The Chills, all of your albums mention gods at least once, and most mention at least one of the other words. Uh, 2018's The Idol, for instance, discusses God three times, has the phrase, my angel, my muse, as well as my specters, my devils, my dues, uh, mentions demons and uses the phrase demonize. And on your new album, you have seven mentions of gods or demigods, the phrase leeching demons, and just a direct reference to Satan. Uh, why do these religious figures appear so regularly in your lyrics? Uh, what do they add to the stories that you tell? I grew up Catholic. Yeah, Matt and I did grow up. <laughs> Matt and I did grow up Catholic and went, we were, you know, Catholic school through all the way through high school. So I, I'm sure I mean, it's just because, you know, some of those ideas have just become part of the, I don't want to say our worldview, but 
these are just themes that have been a big part of our past, I guess. And I guess they creep in, you know, even when we're trying to paint new worlds. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's part of the, the overall mythology, I guess. And I, I think when we're mentioning those things in our lyrics, it's certainly not referencing like, well, that's a lie. There are some songs that are very directly related to, to Catholicism or Christianity. Um, song like Weeping Relic or something off of Ecstasis is like very much a statement about like the Catholic Church. Um, but I think more often than not, these, these deities, <laughs> our mom can never hear this. Um, speaking, of, speaking of these, I think more often than not, when these things are mentioned in our lyrics, it's more of to have a Godhead figure than it is to like directly reference um, a particular like religious pantheon or, or religious tradition. And I think because the music and the message are, are kind of trying to, again, be larger than life and like push the ultimate boundary, I think that these, these God figures are necessary as like adversaries to go against, I guess, and to topple. And I think in the lyrics for me, it's it's much more often like, what are the things that we make into gods? What are the things that uh, we give the, that power to? And like some of them are, are people, some of them are our systems, some of them are ideas that are in our own minds, right? And to me, it's a, it's a case of extremes and like the, the highest power one can reach, I guess, is personified in like these, these deity forms. And the songs are more often than not about rebelling against those things and becoming one's own deity figure, I would say. Yeah, um, I, I think they definitely represent that sort of rebellious nature. Um, I, I did not grow up Catholic, but uh, I feel like just being, being like an atheist from a young age, you're, I mean, you don't like, most people are not that. And so personally for me, growing up at like religion and, and, and God has been like a fascinating topic. Um, and I think that incorporating those themes into our lyrics does sort of represent the, the rebellious nature um, that at least I, I sort of felt growing up um, with that. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but... Hmm. I also remembered what I was going to say. Yeah, please. Because <laughs> uh, it, it actually ties in. Um, but I feel like the the present, I feel like the present tense also has this more omniscient quality to it than the past tense. Um, and I think, as I was saying, that, that that quality ties into the sort of larger than life nature that metal has and that that we're trying to conjure up. Right. Interesting. Well, this might be a related question then, uh, because another like uh, motif that we saw in your lyrics um, is that of animals. So your first album mentions lambs and goats, you know, as religious references, of course, uh, but also the beast uh, being like a worm, a bed of maggots uh, and a crucified dove. Uh, your second, third, and fourth <laughs> albums mention um, being bred like beasts, a siren's call, uh, a wolf beneath a gown, uh, the conqueror worm consuming all, dogmouth ravings, uh, the million-tongued beast, and a hydra head upon the neck of every dead-end street. Um, the new album oh, then talks about a phoenix, a phoenix apostate, uh, vermin hiding, hagfish eyes, 
and basking like a lizard. Uh, so this isn't the most animal references. That Don't forget about the dinosaur. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine it's very important um should have included the dinosaur um well in any case um not the most amount of animal references we've seen um but they do seem to you know play a significant role as a source of kind of metaphor especially this vague uh beast uh is there something about the animal as a metaphor that has attracted you to you know use it so frequently i feel like this is the flip side of the coin right like you dare you you know like you dare to tread in the realm of the divine but you also need like that foil of like the the mundane like the earthly i feel like those it's easy to like use i mean this is speculation again as it's easier to because also like some of these records precede my existence in the band so like i can i read them also sort of like not as a creative uh, a, a creative force in making them but yeah like it seems like some kind of foil to this other thing like they're like the, the as above so below kind of thing you know like there's something going on there in terms of like bringing in the contrast of like a divine creature versus a uh, versus like the animalistic or the sort of like simple simple creatures or whatever as they call them yeah also perhaps like the exploring the different natures within people as well i think and like having these as convenient uh signposts almost or like symbols of aspects of of the human being aspects of one's like personality or consciousness or something i think that's that's also part of it too it's like this way of either celebrating or kind of denigrating i guess certain as certain traits of, of humans what well there's like a literary tradition of that right like in the form of like yeah. fables folklore mythology like using animals as stand-ins for particular like characteristics or traits of humans mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never thought about the fact that we, that we tend to use them a lot or <laughs> intended to, I guess. I think they just do make for great metaphors in a lot of these instances. Um, and for me, I think it's probably as simple as that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think just like the influence of what you're saying of growing up in a, in a culture that has so many stories of, I mean, I really, most cultures I know of, do have so many stories of, of animals, whether it's like folklore, whether they're like children's stories, whatever. And I think it's an inescapable experience of story itself. I think you can't you can't divorce yourself from that. Like we've we've kind of just grown up this way. And I, th I think in the back of the mind, like they're an immovable animal. The animal world, I guess, the natural world is this like immovable uh, canvas that it's like the building blocks of the way of, of how we're used to experiencing story. And I think those just work their way in too. Is, is there any effort, be it conscious or unconscious, to keep the animals kind of metal feeling? Like, like there's no yeah. butterflies, there's no bunnies, there's no, uh, you know, kittens. Uh, it's, it's beasts and lizards and phoenixes. Is, is there a, a, you know, kind of movement towards a certain type of animal do you think i think in terms of the genre I, I would say definitely in terms of us i don't know i i would say that we've probably i think that's the larger influence of the genre itself kind of like stamping stamping its influence upon us um but yeah i i think it's another interesting feature of metal that metal has like claimed certain animals as as like symbolic <laughs> symbolic like uh envoys or something that's what i'm looking for here 
messengers or something. And a lot of those, I think, uh, obviously can be traced back to literary traditions that, that metal is kind of taking from too. But like everyone knows, like what animal is more metal than the other? You know, <laughs> so like what which animal is more metal? It's like this one definitely is. Why I don't know. Is it more aggressive? Is it scarier? Is it like have some ability that that is threatening or or cool for lack of a better term is just something really interesting about it um but i do think if one were to study specifically animal usage in metal i think there would be like a very clear and discernible pattern okay. and list even is it just we have to avoid animals that could be perceived as cute i think so though also i i think that there are a lot of metals that use like if a cute animal is, is involved, it is its life is in danger. Like, <laughs> and that is also, I mean, that's like the crucified dove. Like, I think oh, there's yeah. this, this element of like, um, I do think like innocent animals being used as, as this, this, a forum, I guess, of like innocence being destroyed or corrupted or something. Hmm. And I definitely, again, I, I can't like think of an exact example um i do i think if those animals appear that are like perceived as like gentler or or i don't know cuddly or something or nice they're often the sacrifice of the song or like the the thing that is destroyed so another trend that we noticed then um this kind of actually goes back to uh, a comment damien made at the beginning of looking at uh you know being interested in the in song titles because your song titles uh you like to use the in the front uh, you have the mystic, the womb, the somber, desolate winds, the ritual, the eye of madness, the stranger, the vermilion, the nihilist, the solipsist, the idolater, and in the new record, the blaze and the death knell ringet. Um, are you aware that you use the quite a bit, or uh, is this just by chance? Um, and why do you think you're drawn to this kind of framing of song titles? For the, I feel like for the chills, it was kind of a running joke after a certain point. We're just like, <laughs> oh man. And I genuinely think for the chills, it was just like, we weren't imaginative enough at the time to like come up with cooler titles. <laughs> but I I think there's some other things lurking in there as to, as to why specifically like the, the blank or like this or like that. But curious to see what you think, Jed, if you have thoughts or... or... Uh, I don't know that I really do. I, we, I do think it's, there's a bit of an int intention there. Uh, I don't think we're just throwing the around without realizing. Mm. Um, uh, the chills, I think. So, I think the chills is a different story. But so early, well, early on, well, also I think there are a lot of like classic metal songs that are called the something. Like it is, I think you could view that as almost a theme. Um, and I think we were trying to, you know, do that ourselves in the beginning, and then we got attached to doing so, but maybe for different reasons. Um, but I'm not completely sure what those reasons are truthfully. I feel like this also also somehow still connects to sort of like. Um, this like weird penchant for like history or like mythology, you know, like there's some kind of like, there's some kind of like mystical, I'm just thinking of like the Odyssey, you know, like mm. the Canterbury, the Canterbury Tales, like there's like, you know, like the Lord of the Rings, you know, like this, sure. the, the, this is kind of like this like presentation of like, you know, like the tale, the, the, the adventure you will now go on. Like there's something about that, that I think metal has like definitely latched onto. And I think that it's also like, you see it in literature a lot. I feel like sci-fi fantasy, like there's always sort of like the presentation of this, like 
this world and it kind of just does it immediately for you right like even when it's vague like we have a song called the stranger that is like i think like very well known in the catalog and like that alone whether you know the references involved or whatever like it just sort of like puts you like at the door of some tale like immediately more than being like you know other kinds of linguistic constructions it's hard to think of an example off the top of my head but like you know like this is very odd i never thought about it before today so I think it I this just occurred to me but I think it also ties into like when you put the in front it becomes like the original or like the archetype or like the the original form like I don't know this I'm imagining some sort of like Plato's cave thing <laughs> happening here but <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah I but that's that's very interesting um what I can say about the song titles is, is they all are very deliberate and there's like a voting process. Like I think probably on all of our albums, like the, every song has oh, wow. various options for, for titles and we, we vote on it. <laughs> and we, yeah. it, I, I do recall some discussion of like, like, oh, we probably don't want like every song title to be like two words or, or something like mm. that. Um, so there, there is definitely some some thought that goes into it. I do also want to mention this is a brilliant thing that you mentioned this, Damien, in terms of thinking about like platonic forms, right? Like the I, I don't maybe I'm thinking of the wrong philosopher, but whoever it was, that's like everything that we deal with in the real world is like the, a simulacrum of like the like the essential form. Like if we say uh, like a horse or, or like horse, that's like abstract, like could be any horse. But when you say the horse, it's sort of like it's this one. Right. And like, you know, like if when you're claiming like the this the thing, like maybe you're like br sort of like almost like brashly being like it's like the one. It's not like the abstraction. It's not like the the fake form that you can just like perceive with your, you know, human brain. It's like you have access to like like, like you're saying, dude, like the original, like the actual yeah. thing is right in front of not, you. Not the shadow of it. Yeah, not, not the shadow, exactly, exactly. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because like in, in English grammar, right, we have like definite and indefinite determiners, the being the definite determiner. So it's the book, meaning a specific book, rather than like a book, which could be any book. So does yeah. the use of the definite rather than the indefinite form, like add a certain, I don't know, specificity that makes like the song titles appear more significant than they would if it was, let's say, a mystic, a womb, a somber, desolate wind. Yeah, I think that's probably <laughs> spot on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think of the song like calling a song blaze versus the blaze. I think there's like a different weight to them. Yeah, you know, I mean, metal also wants to claim things. I mean, just like culturally. Like every, this is, I mean, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> All of us, I think, struggle with it, right? Because this is the culture we are, we're like conditioned to, but like metal not only wants to like, you know, like speak of originality, speak of like what's like the true form of something, you know, or like the most legitimate form of things. Like, and I, and I, and I say this in all of its problematics, right? Like, and I think that that, that the, that indefinite versus definite form thing, like that's like, it gives you a sense of like, yeah, we're claiming that thing. Like mm -hmm. it's, it, it's our book. It's like our mythology, you know, and like, we're presenting it to you. We're not leaving we're not leaving you in the sort of the generalist place. We're bringing you like a right to it for sure. Hmm. You mentioned that you've kind of moved away from some of the, um, you know, uh, 
gore horror stuff but the the fact that you had some of that on your earlier albums does make me think that that's something you're all into a little bit uh is there a potential influence of horror here as well because i'm thinking like you know the thing uh the house on haunted hill the uh you know the blob there's a lot of the in horror is there any kind of does the x feel like darker in a horror context i think so and we're just used to hearing it, I think. And <laughs> to answer your question, yes, I've seen like an obscene amount of horror movies across <laughs> my life. Um, I think we all have, yeah. Yeah, and so many, so many of them are just the blank, the blank, the crawling the eye, stuff. you know, like yeah. the stuff. Yeah, the blob. <laughs> Wait, there's a movie called The Stuff. Yeah, yeah there is. Oh my god, it's like okay. this strange alien like yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> It's very, it's, that's a wild eighties one for you. That's a, that's a deep cut. I have to check it out. <laughs> I, 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 it's probably like a 0. 0.01 star film. Yeah, it's like an unbearable, <laughs> watch. It's an unbearable <laughs> watch, but it's, there's some, some wild effects in there for sure. Okay. Um, so of course I mentioned earlier that I do like uh, pronouns. We did want to ask you about some interesting patterns in your pronoun use. Um, so your first EP never takes the first person, um, but your first album does with 35 uses of I. Um, Agdysis uh, then only has 14 uh, uses of I, and Aretta has 28. And with Idol, we're back down to 18. And then the new album has just 12. Um, there are also a lot of songs of the new album, um, including Neon Leviathan, um, Preteritan, Him, Cult of Shadow, Exogenesis, uh, and Ontological uh, Mysterium. Uh, so, about half the songs of the album with no I at all. Uh, so, we have a few questions here. The first one being, um, why do you think you moved away from the first person since Idol? I'm surprised by that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I would I would almost think that the new record would have more than Idol did. But yeah. to me, uh, I do think Idol was a little more focused on like negative experiences and feeling held back, feeling held down, feeling like obstructed. So I guess in a way it doesn't surprise me because I, I think there's there's a lot of egocentrism perhaps in that record of like being the one who is experiencing the negative feeling and maybe there's a tendency to really identify that with with oneself um, especially when it comes to pain it's like that's when I really know that it's it's me and like it's it's about me I think the experience of pain or the experience of of discomfort or, or depression or whatever I think the self becomes even more focused and in view, whereas uh, generally speaking, and again, this record's much more about transformations. It's about like overcoming, it's about growth, it's about joyousness in a way, um, and or at least like struggling towards these things. And I, I think perhaps philosophically that, that also kind of signals this move outward uh, away from the self. Uh, because there's, there's a little, paradoxically, even though it's like you're focusing on your own journey, but uh, there's there's more of, a, of an awareness of the world, perhaps. So there's more of an awareness of the space that you're growing into. And it's funny because it makes me think of like these old hippie books about how like the more condensed that one is, like the 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 worse one feels, or like the uh, the more expansive one is, like the more free one feels, or the more like evolved one is, or something, right? And I think there maybe. That was, a, that was a wild connection that I, I made off the cuff, but I could see that playing a role in it. Like there's this expansiveness on the new record that there isn't as much of a need to to, to maybe like claim the self almost mm -hmm. uh, because you're past it. It's, it's, it's past the need to like 
define oneself so so strictly maybe that would be my guess why did you expect that there would be more on this album you, you mentioned initially you were surprised by that i think that's exactly why because it's like this paradox of seemingly the new records the new record to me i guess thematically would speak to the use of i more because mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's this element of like taking control and this element of being being the force that changes which is why i, I would expect that but Maybe by the same token, when one becomes identified with movement and force, like one is no longer I anymore. Um, because I is I is always behind you. I is always in the past. And huh. now is movement and now is change. And where there is no I because the I is always growing, right? So I I think that if I did like psychoanalyze my my own thoughts on this, yeah, I, damn, I would wow, come okay. to that, I think. Uh, just this, like, the transformations of the record is, there is no end goal, I don't think. It's not like, you are now this. To me, I think this just aligns with, like, my life pursuit in general. It's more about constant change. And with constant change, there is no I. It is just change. And the minute you point to one thing, it's gone. Yeah. And it's a good thing that it's gone, because it's hopefully more expansive than it was a second ago. I also wonder if like the courage and like lack of doubt too, like it's like one of those funny things, right? When you're like suffering and you are feeling insecure or you're struggling or you're like in some kind of pit, right? Like you're like, there is like you were saying, like there's a focus on the eye. There's like an awareness of the eye. And then like, if you're like, curse you cruel world. Yeah. Like, me, you know? <laughs> Very sort of like looking oneself in the mirror and how, you know, how can you have like, yeah, so much eye in there. And then like, if you're, moving beyond that, or maybe even if like, maybe collectively, if we're like, there's some kind of encouraging message on ontological, the new record, you know, like we're not as focused, like there's a lot more you, there's a lot more like considering the world, you know, and like, like we're just less, if if you're more comfortable with yourself, you're actually less concerned about I. It's like when you're uncomfortable with yourself that you're like really like saying I, 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 you know, like to be like to try to like reassure or like reinvestigate or whatever. And like if you're in a better place or if you're like you've come into something like maybe I don't know, maybe it becomes less of a concern. Yeah. Well, even breaking this down, just like interpersonal relationships, like when do you feel the best? It's like when you're in communion with someone else, which is when you aren't thinking of you anymore like you aren't you anymore you are some kind of alchemical mix of like of the two people like the boundary is lost right and um thinking this like transcendence transformation piece like that ultimately is what it's after it's like the, the loss of the boundary um and when boundary is gone like so was i but hmm. you're, you're still aware like there's an awareness that you are acting that you're moving through the world but there's your own boundaries are, are much more, uh, they just flow a lot more. And if I think, like, what is a feeling, if we're talking about transformation and change and like, I don't know, ecstasy or something, like what are, what are the times that one feels those most? It's like, even if we want to relate this back to playing music, because I think a lot of like why we are making the music is because we want people to feel the ecstasy of the making of the music and like the the kind of prying into uh, the mystical forces I think that music has. And tying this wild rant all the way together, I think most people's reports of like best feeling are when they are completely lost in something, like a passion or like the flow state. So I, don't, I don't know which 
psychologist was talking about that a couple of years back, but like, what is this flow state um, when you're operating at this like incredibly high level is, is when you aren't really aware of, of being this individual being, you're completely lost in something. And I think there's something to that, that freedom is like the loss of self in terms of the concern of self. And it kind of frees you to interact with everything for real. So when you write of I then, like when you experience, you know, you've kind of described like this kind of ego death that's occurs like over the course of like the like various albums and stuff. I mean, like when you're writing of I then, does that represent like use as individuals? Like are you talking about your own subjective self-awareness then when you write about I? Is it Matt, Damien, Jamie? I would definitely say no. And I think, I'm curious what you all will say about this, but... I agree with you there, personally. I think the eye is almost, when they are using our songs, it's it's always aimed at putting the listener into the, into the, and we've covered this already kind of, but like putting the listener into the shoes of the person or the thing, like experiencing the movement of the song. Hmm. Um, and hopefully like a, a, just as one would use like a first person narrative, if you were writing a book or something, it's like, I want you to, to almost be fooled for a minute even if it's only a minute or a second that you are the one thinking this thing and that you are the one experiencing it. Um, and no matter how personal these songs are, I think they're never meant, I have anyway for this band, never wrote a song that was meant to be like, I want the listener to know that this was my experience. It's I want, I want to generalize my experience because I know other people have it too and or may someday and like create create this space for them to also process and think about it and i don't i'm i'm kind of thinking over the lyrics for all of our songs in general i think the specific, again like it becomes i think experiences become kind of coded into story and into our own like mythology and our own myths and just as anyone making a myth in the past is trying to do, it's like the myth is meant to, to teach us something. And the myth is meant to like communicate an idea that goes beyond uh, the necessity of like one's individual experience. It's like this is, I guess we're trying to get to like a universal experience, right? So I think that the the I is that. It's like, okay, we are, we are myth making, we are story making, we are taking a real life event and transforming it into a story that has its own symbolism and its own life and generalizing it enough that, that the listener can hopefully like step into it as well. Hmm. Well, something that Alex mentioned earlier, um, I think was that like the new album has more you on it. And I don't know if you meant that in a literal sense, but that does track with what we found um, in the lyrics uh, because <laughs> um, up until 2018, you had like 54 uses of you and your across all your albums, um, you know, a sizable number, certainly, but the new album has 33 uses. So about 38% of all the use to date are just on like this one album out of six releases appearing in lines like, I will coax you out. Uh, I speak not to you. There is no you. Uh, we'll pluck out your eyes or and the gods who mock uh, each step will bow before you in the end. Um, so yeah, is, is this what you meant by the use of you? And, um, why do you think you've moved towards like an increase of massively increased use of you on this one album? I feel like all the answers kind of track in the same way, like from the previous question, I, it was a guess, by the way, that, like, I didn't know, <laughs> well, I, I did not know that at all. I was just like, based on all of the conversations that we've had about like, what, like, it's very interesting because like, again, like 
someone mentioned earlier about how like the picture of the album is becoming clearer to us now that we get to talk about it so much because it isn't like this preconceived concept. But based on those conversations, I'm not surprised by that, that there's like, yeah. And I, I think it's all, Matt has already very, very well um, explained what some of the reasoning behind that might be. I think it's simple. Like a lot of those cases are just like direct address. <laughs> like It's like almost taking a step from, I'm gonna craft a world for you to like think about and experience. And this record, I think the boldness of the album is like, mirrored in that language too it's it's not enough that we we just hope that you experience it. it's like hey you like fuck experience this right now you i'm talking to you you know and i think in a way this album pre presents a bit more of like a challenge to it's almost like we're daring people to do it instead of just putting out there and be like all right like it'd be cool if you thought about this stuff but like it's all right whatever and i think talking about this boldness and confidence it's maybe it's this idea of, of being confident enough in what we're saying that we're kind of being a little more aggressive about uh wanting people to experience these things and like not being afraid of standing in them to that degree where it's like hey you i am almost calling you out and i, I think a lot of songs are whether we're calling ourselves out or, or calling others out um i think there is some calling out that is happening <laughs> So it is like a direct address then towards the listener specifically. Yeah, I, yeah, I think in sure. most cases, yeah. yeah interesting. I, I don't want to call this like a contradiction, but you, you mentioned that like the I, you want the listener to put themselves in the role of the I, but they're also the you, right? Like how, how am I supposed to do both? Like how am I supposed <laughs> to, how am I supposed to put myself into the I and experience that, but then also be the you in the song, right? Like, like I, I guess is there a clash there or or no yes but clashes are not a, this is like i don't know i feel like i'm as a as a poet i am like particularly like against the idea that like the whole point is that like these contradictions can like exist as a state to not to be settled but like as an actual like material to be dealt with like we have like an absolute fucking obsession with this idea that like contradictions are these things that we need to like slaughter sure. that we need to like piece mm. apart into their like it, it constituent parts so that they can like sit in their little settled places that we can manipulate and control perfectly and it's like this is like maybe one of the only reasons that we make these like useless fucking things that we do things like make music and make poems and like while the world is fucking on fire and like people are hungry like because we, uh, you know, like there's an inherent need to have like some kind of space that doesn't work in binary, but like doesn't work in these ways. And I think that like you can travel along the spectrum of this like problematized pronomial experience, right? Is that like you're right to point out that like it is problematic. And I think like, I don't, I didn't you know, go like so far to call it, it is right <laughs> problematized yeah. pronomial this is a great phrase. dare i say it is ontologically mysterious okay. uh, look at that oh there you go all right all right very good yeah. On theme, I, yeah. also i wonder how often they coexist in the same song uh i and you yeah well like um i mean what are the lines uh, oh, i i will coax you out i speak not to you there is so no yeah, so, so that song yes your but that eyes. was so the well yeah like Chris and Puya, they're supposed to coexist, almost to like blur the two. Well, yeah, I think in that in that example for for one, and what you were just saying, like mm -hmm. the first thought that came to my mind when you when you mentioned that is uh, uh, there's this there's this great very wacky prog band called Gong, and it reminds me of on the back of one of the records. It's like I am you, 
our gong or something like that. And again, like to this boundary erasing thing, right? I think the I and the U are, are purposefully muddled a bit to signify that the dissolution of boundary. And I'm thinking of like the line in Cult of, Sh- of Shadow where it's like, um, so the song is like, there is a lot of I in that song, like beat me back, I'll keep on climbing, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And then there's a line and the gods will bow before you. And to me, that is like the turnaround where the listener becomes the I. And it's okay. like, because you're going to do yeah. these things too. And the cycle will continue again. And it's like, that would be my take on it. It's like this perhaps even subconscious like technique of dissolving the boundary and getting the listener involved while like, also, of course, I think when we are writing lyrics, like I, th- I think we are sometimes the characters in those songs too, you know? And I, I think it is this dual experience of being the character and also hoping that like other people decide to become the character as well. Because the character wasn't just made as a vessel for me, it was, it was made for as a vessel for anyone who, who wants to take it. And it, it reminds me of uh, the, the Man of War's like faceless warrior character, like their mascot guy. And, and the whole point is that like it's faceless because it is you can impose your own identity on it. <laughs> and um, I think that's some of what's going on here. Hmm. Well, another pattern that we looked at that I think Damien actually mentioned uh, at the beginning of our interview was uh, your use of rhyme and alliteration, um, because although you use neither constantly, um, both do appear on every album. Um, so, for instance, we can see rhymes like scheming neath the moon, casting wicked spells, punish hearts so dark, drag them into hell, uh, which mirror rhymes appearing off your latest release, for instance, man, machine, paralyzed by eyes that gleam in vicious luminosity. Um Likewise, we observed um, a lot of kind of two-word alliteration in particular, like uh, Merlin the Mystic, Womb of Winter, Serpentine Sensation, Magma Miasmic, and Succumb to Steel. Uh, and in some instances, there's even a combination of both rhyme and alliteration, uh, such as in the lines, Mausoleum Mind, uh, Fear Divine, Fatal Dance with Space and Time, uh, and Never Deign to Bow, Deities and Decrees, I Disavow. Uh, so what appeals to you about rhyme and alliteration, independently and in combination? It's good. I mean, listen to how beautiful all those, <laughs> it's, all those it's, phrases It's linguistically are. great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next question. <laughs> I mean, are, are we supposed to be the, uh, the, the gory, uh, not sound good genre? Like, why do we, why do we want um, things that sound good in, our, in, in, in a genre that, that embraces dissonance? I was completely joking, but it's, it's rhythmic. I, I mean, it's rhythmic and also like, I mean, just like think about metal music like the the literal like the majority of the content is like extre- like rhythmically jumpy like kind of like it has like a lilt to it like i don't know like and something about alliteration and sort of like the the sort of like fury of like and for us like we're syncopated a lot but it's also like very like driving rhythms all the time so it's like i don't know like alliteration just like has some kind of quality to it that i think like maybe matches that pretty well and also, again, like back to like Damien and Matt's points about just like the mouthfeel of words and like something being enjoyable about it. And also, I don't know how y'all feel about this, but when you're playing in a death metal band, we're also like screaming and stuff. Like, I feel like we exist in this space where like both Damien and Matt are like yelling vocalists, but you can hear what they're saying. I think if you listen closely um, mm-hmm. and like, 
Yeah, like and having alliteration and like small phrases that are kind of like memorable, like maybe help bring that forward, especially in a band like this, where like the lyrics are not just bullshit. Like it's not just like a zombie ate my brain. You know, it's like <laughs> like there are things that we do ultimately like really like I think we'd all be pretty sad if people like didn't take note of the lyrics in the band. Like there's a lot of heart. There's a lot of heart and mind and soul between these three and the lyrics for the band. So it's like all tools to kind of that like musically match, maybe aesthetically match at times, and also like help bring focus to something that maybe, as we were talking about at the top of this interview, often get lost. Like lots of people are like, it's metal. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fucking look at these lyrics at all. Uh, which is like maybe a shame. And this is something that can maybe like help cure that problem a little bit. Do y'all vibe with that? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, very, I think mechanically speaking too, um, I find that using things like rhyme, alliteration, consonants, all that stuff, it does also help build almost this like internal velocity of the words. Hmm. And this is kind of what I was trying to get at. I don't know how well earlier when I was talking about trying to make like the, the lyrics mimic the movement of the song. And I think using these these techniques and like the, these linguistic techniques and literary devices and whatnot, I, I think they also can work backwards on the music where it's like the speed of the word and not how they're delivered, but kind of the, how the words flow, how the words uh press on one another and have their own energy and and speed i think that also makes the music sound faster sometimes too it's like it's it's carrying forward or at least giving the illusion that it's like carrying forward the music with it um and i wouldn't be surprised surprised if like if one were to study this um in in my own songwriting anyway of of how those two interweave, like how moments of high emotion or moments of high kind of like movement and change is kind of, is, is mirrored in, in the uses of those things. Interesting. I guess kind of moving to uh, uh, something else that we, we saw throughout is that there's a lot of implications of gore throughout your lyrics. Um, kind of, again, like I use implications there uh, um, purposely because uh, to give some examples of the new album, you talk about um, there's a mention of being burned alive, uh, learning how to tear chitin back, uh, plucking out eyes, um, and some kind of body modification conducted with a scalpel. Um, and then your early albums have songs like Rip the Shreds, which mention uh, a rotting hand emerges from the grave, bathed in dirt and sweet decay to tear the limbs from the torso of all who pulse with the putrid form called life. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> we don't have uh, any real explicit discussions of gore violence that we would see on, say, like a Cannibal Corpse album or like an early Carcass album. Uh, do you consciously draw a line in how vivid your descriptions of gore and violence are? And if so, how do you decide where that line is? I, I think gore, at least on the newer stuff, you talk about like burning, you talk about the, the scalpel moment. There are often like bodily bodily disfigurement or change as an embodiment of like either the other or an embodiment of uh, transformation itself, I think. I think at this point in our career, like we don't really, we don't really use gore as a thing for shock value or something or like ever wanted to take center stage, but I, things like, I don't know, like the body horror movies, like from, uh, what's his name, Cronenberg or something come to mind where it's almost like, this destruction of the body is like a signal of transformation or a, a sign of transformation. And uh, I was reading something recently that, that was really interesting actually about like a lot of traditions of like deity figures or mythical figures or, or gods or whatever that are disfigured in some way or like 
deformed in some way or just different or whatever or um and how these are like portals into the other and portals into the what's the word i'm looking for here the uncanny and i think for us the lyrics tend to be more like violence and, and gore and whatnot is, is used more in that sense where it's like it kind of opens this window window into transformation or, or change or other ways of being whereas like of course our early records like it was about a horror story and like it's supposed to be fun and you're supposed to enjoy this um whereas i think now it is very much geared towards this like transformative idea and um while i don't know if we like necessarily set limits for ourselves on this i think we just we really do want to distance ourselves from being overly explicit i guess and having that cloud the message or having that cloud like what it is that we're, we're trying to do hmm. well does it operate the same way with swearing because that's something else that we noticed is that you know and i think this is a pattern we haven't seen before um you allow just one fuck um per album and nothing more so your 2009 ep has get the fuck up you crazy corpse 2012's the chills mentions being fucked by pestilence 2014's um exodus uh asserts fuck all the angels and anarata and idol are actually entirely clean and then the new album has uh times too fucking short um on the third from last line uh so <laughs> is that is it the same thing like are you just trying to avoid like an excess of swearing it's almost like like a pg-13 movie like yeah you get, you get one you get one yeah. like are you aware that you have one like <laughs> Love I can't let this part out. Sorry. <laughs> Have you like seen that the there's like that bit? There's like those interviews with uh Pippin and the other guy from Lord of the Rings talking about how like the rating for Lord of the Rings would allow exactly one swear word. Mm -hmm. And they were just yeah. like they're like they're like speculating about like what lines it could have been spent on. And I guess <laughs> I guess that's how the band operates. I, none of us, I don't think anyone's thought about this for a second, but I think most likely just because of like the serious nature of like or like the philosophical nature of a lot of the lyrics since Ectus is on, like swear words don't necessarily like carry that like it kind of like muddles that vibe a little bit so it just like doesn't come to mind but then there are times where it's just sort of like you need that brashness of like i feel like with the stranger like fuck all the angels is like like it's one of the only often one of the only times where i notice out in the crowd that like everyone knows those words huh. you know and it's just like ah like it's a popular song and like this line just like needed that force behind it you know, for whatever reason, you know, but I don't, I don't think there's, I would be shocked if there was much thought about uh, avoiding swear words or, or using them for like pinpointed purposes. I think just, they just don't fit that well with what we're trying to do often. Like you mentioned how it comes up, you know, the third to the last line of the new album, mm -hmm. but as you already brought up, that section is almost like stepping out of what the rest of the album was to like mm -hmm. ride into the sunset in a like thematically different way. And you know, with like beer can kind of thing. I don't know. So it's like, I feel like it doesn't fit often in what we're doing. That's probably why it doesn't show up. Um, okay. Yeah. So yeah, how come I think fuck, ultimately, how come fuck makes the now. cut, but like shit doesn't? That's a good question. I don't know. I feel like that's just purely like emphasis than it is anything else. Um, yeah. Well, it just like, feels, it just feels much more of like an emphatic word <laughs> to like drive something home, you know? Fuck and fucking are like, you know, you're not going to like be like fuck being like a verb. You're not going to be like, you just we're just not going to talk about like shitting as a verb in this band. <laughs> and like fucking is like the what is the most versatile curse word. 
you know, like when you think of all the other curse words, like they're all like too, they're like too cornered and like fucking fucking just like for some reason are like, it's like a gift from God, very flexible word. <laughs> is, is there, you mentioned like uh, the beginning of this interview, you all talked about trying to make the language not seem day to day. Like, is, is that part of it at all as well? Like, I mean, imagine you've, you've sworn in this interview is, is swearing too like normal? I think in a way, maybe so. Um, I don't know. You could think of other types of music that have swearing like that all the time. I, I think the way that we set this up is certainly trying for something different. So I think you're probably right. And in a way, it is too normal. My uh, my friend's dad used to say to us, like, he is very, he was like, cool dad. But he always had this, like, whole thing where he would, like, come down on, if we were hanging out at his house, he would, like, come down on us for cursing, but only if it was too much. And he would always be like, listen, I'm not against you cursing. You have to understand, like, these words are here to help you. And if you overuse them because you're being a child, you're go they're going to lose their power. You need to be careful. So, like, if you're going to say fuck, you better say fuck when you need it, you know? Like, don't be running around my house, like, playing your stupid little video games and, like, saying, like, fucking shit all the time, you know? He was <laughs> he was very adamant that these words have power and you need to, like, make sure you're careful. Yeah, I do think they're at very specific points of emphasis in our songs and only only under, like, certain tones, right? Mm -hmm. it's, I, think that's, I think that's kind of the whole thing. Well, on that point about words having kind of power, right? Uh, we're just going to wrap up with our, our final question. I guess we'll kind of just go down the line either direction. Um, but if if we were to take everything we've talked about and, and discuss it broadly, uh, what would you say is the role of lyrics in Horrendous' music and art? And then more broadly, what do you think is the role of lyrics and language in extreme metal as a genre? Right. <laughs> uh, for me, I think the lyrics are always emphasizing the the emotional impact of the music and directing i should say not just emphasizing but very much directing the emotional impact of the music um and amplifying and putting us putting a story to this perhaps what can sometimes be a, a bit of like an ambiguous and overwhelming emotional field that a song is creating um and putting a face to the putting a face to the thing, I think putting a face to the being that is in the song. Hmm. That that would be me. What else do you think? By you, D. Mm. Um, I don't have much to add to that. I I, I liked Matt's use of of the word amplify there because um, <laughs> they are they are meant to sort of amplify whatever the song is doing. Um, like whether it's you know some like huge glorious moment of melody or or something like that but um yeah i mean the the lyrics in horrendous are they're i think they're very important um which is sort of ironic considering one of the first things i said in this interview was that i didn't care about lyrics like as i was growing <laughs> up listening to metal um, for sure yeah but but yeah it it adds to i think it solidifies like this the serious nature of our music i guess um i don't know if that makes sense but um yeah i don't know that's all i have to add yeah i mean i agree along most of these lines i think we started out with more generic horror gore whatever lyrics and then there's a certain point where at least for me i just kind of growing up in a lot of like punk music and stuff that was like trying to tell you something or say something that they felt was important I wanted to like, I wanted songs that like tried to say something, even if it was under perhaps more veiled circumstances within like, you know, metal imagery and stuff. 
you know, the early stuff is just, here's a song about a zombie, whereas some of our later songs are more like trying to describe perhaps our philosophical thoughts on a topic or something. You know what I mean? I just, I think we do take the lyrics very seriously, especially later in the career, not maybe not as much at the very beginning. And I think for me, I just, I like songs that are like about something. They're not just, they're not just zombie about zombies for the sake of being about zombies. I feel, I feel bad. We've like really, we've really like uh, villainized zombies tonight. <laughs> and there's, there's place yeah. for that too. Zombies ain't, zombies ain't safe. But, it's, but it, it, this is also like, maybe all of this is also uh, symptomatic of something else, which is also like, I mean, when I was growing up, being a metalhead meant you weren't serious. You know, like everyone was looking at you like you're just like a little fucking rascal who has like, who doesn't, you know, just like wants to cause trouble and like doesn't like, you know, like who isn't intelligent or, you know, it's just sort of like for the sake of being a little punk, you know, and it's like, I do think for a lot of us who have like essentially been playing music or metal music like our entire fucking lives, it's just sort of like, you know, it's like epitome of sort of like, you know, it's not a phase, uh, <laughs> you know, but but that aside, also be thinking that like, I just think like across the board, metal lyrics are like meant to like electrify you in some way. I think like in every subgenre, even some that have seeming like there are subgenres of metal that would like never want to be in the same room together, probably. But like, mm -hmm. I do feel like still you could say that there's like something that's supposed to sort of like get into your blood, get under your skin and sort of like affect you in some way. Um, and I think that that holds true. So like then that's sort of to answer the the auxiliary question of sort of like what's the role of metal lyrics like sort of like abroad. Um, and yeah, I think that all of us, I think all of us have had some pretty like magical experiences when it comes to music. Like I've lived my fucking childhood dreams, like literally playing in this band. So like, and a lot of those dreams were fantasies when I was younger, you know, that I was living vicariously through older people playing in bands and also through lyrics and through like the, the worlds that were being conjured by the music I was listening to as a kid. So like, you know, now, I, I feel so comfortable not being a writer, but like playing behind those lyrics. Like I love participating in a band like Horrendous, even though I'm not putting the lyrical content out there because like, I hope that there's like a 14 year old out there who's having that experience. Who's like being electrified, like feeling like they actually can pierce the shield of the universe. Like just, they put this song on and step out the door. They might actually be able to do it, you know? Like that happened for me. Like I survived off of that. There's pretty tough circumstances as a young person. So like. I just think whether the lyrics are silly, because I even think silly lyrics can do this, you know, like thrash lyrics that are about like partying, like maybe there's some like ec ecstasy that is actually very serious, like embedded in that. Like that's that's what I think the sort of like the hope or the, the purpose of the lyrics is sort yeah. of like. Yeah. And to emphasize, we do love lots of that stuff too. True. We're just, we're speaking in terms of like what we want our band to be now in this mm. time and place, but. Yeah. We love plenty of that stuff as much as the next person and, yeah. and get electrified by it. But I think that's also precisely why our lyrics aren't like completely uh, outside of, of the metal lexicon, though. I think the whole point is kind of, for me anyway, it's like I want to play in the same sandbox in terms of the terminology and like the forms, hmm. but I want to push the the walls of it out a little bit further and like demonstrate how you can you can make something new even with old materials you know and i think it's it's interesting is that kind of ties in with our musical philosophy too it's like we are bringing all these different sounds and styles 
into our work, but it's never just a copy and paste. Like we're putting a jazz part in here, you know, like that that's not there. And I, I think bands that do that, in my opinion, aren't very successful because it just sounds like a mashup of like metal and some other thing that has developed its own very specific lexicon. And you're just like, here, they're they're living together. It's like, no, they're not. It's like oil and water. Like you're looking in the cup and they're, they're probably not mixed together at all. Like it's not the same thing, you know? And I think lyrically, I've, I've been kind of thinking about this. Like that's, I think that's why at least I, I'd imagine everyone else, like hasn't just been like, we're going to, we're going to do something completely different with the lyrics than what's ever found in metals. Is I think there's a desire to like, to bring that, bring that language forward and to bring those ideas forward and not to abandon like the, the building blocks of the thing, but to, to demonstrate how they can be used differently and like expand. Well, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a fantastic kind of line to wrap it up on. Thank you. That yeah, was, that great was, note yeah. to end on. <laughs> that's incredible. That's uh that's yeah. And we haven't actually had um uh that kind of discussion of like using language to show your place in metal in a way like like playing in the, the sandbox culture, yeah yeah, mm. yeah to show so yeah that's really cool i hadn't thought about it like that before so yeah you guys are are heading on tour pretty soon right um and when is everything uh i believe this will be released right when your tour is, is is about to finish but um when can people expect to hear all the the new stuff and uh, how can they check out what what you're all up to lmd <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah uh we're going on tour uh we're playing a bunch of shows in texas arizona and uh california um that'll be in july and the new record ontological mysterium comes out august 18th um and yeah we're on bandcamp uh, i think it's just horrendous.bandcamp.com and that's probably the easiest way to check us out yeah so they, you know, whatever whatever platform you Spotify, get, it, everything, yeah, pretty much any streaming service, whatever. Find it, but and then our our Instagram, I think it's horrendous official. Is there an underscore yeah, in there? Underscore official, yeah. Okay, yeah. We'll we'll be updating about our travels and stuff coming out with the record and everything, like mostly through the Instagram. So it's a good place to keep up with us. Cool. Awesome. Well, as always, the links will be in the description for this episode. Exciting. Can't wait to hear the uh, the full record. Thank you guys again so much for taking the time to to let us into, you know, everything you've been doing and, and everything that's gone into this new record. Yeah, it's been a really interesting interview. Yeah. So we really appreciate like the effort, particularly from, you know, all four of you. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot less uh, talking over each other and interrupting than I was kind of worried that was going to happen. But it was very, we were very, for, for a bunch of metalheads, we were very orderly and, um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a respectful bunch. yeah. yeah. It's an insightful interview for us as well. A lot of, a lot of patterns we didn't know. So I was already thinking about how this is gonna like it's gonna influence like the next album's writing. <laughs> all the all the patterns yeah. we've learned about. The pronoun stuff alone is like very, very concerning. People have mentioned <laughs> that sometimes and it's starting to make me worry that this podcast is like contaminating the data pool. <laughs> like you know the the you change the outcome by measuring it kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. I'm starting to yeah. worry. Like, like, we've had a few people tell us at the end of the interview, like this has made me think about like these things I'm doing, and I might like do less now or whatever. It's like, oh no, we're we're actually getting into the observers. Yeah, paradox. we're yeah. we're spilling we're spilling like we're contaminating the uh, the purity of um of what we're trying to. One hundred percent. Yeah. This is the Schrodinger's <laughs> cat.
Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, exactly. We observed the cat. Oh no, we opened the box. And now, <laughs> yeah, and now it's a horse. <laughs> yeah, the cat, was a mis- the cat was a mystery, but now it's like the cat is conscious of it's being observed. Uh, <laughs> I I think it'll make things better personally. It's like adding this metacognitive layer of writing now. Where it's like, well, why am I picking this thing? What? Why did this come to my mind? Why? What are the patterns that are emerging through recognize? I do think most lyricists and metal like aren't thinking of these things. Yeah. And I, I was going to say, like, I thank you for for the obscene amount of work it must have been to to <laughs> find these things and to kind of sit and and sift through all of that. Do you feed the lyrics through software? Uh no, mm-hmm. no. We just, just pure scouring through. Scouring through, uh, yeah. something like at most I'll do like uh, Control F and Word. Um, yeah, for like yeah. um yeah. words such as and stuff for like um pronoun counts and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like we we just read all the lyrics from like I usually go chronologically, read them all, look for a theme, like take notes, like this theme comes up, and then there's some things like we ask everyone about swearing, we ask everyone about pronoun use. So uh those are pretty, you know, control F that. Yeah. But uh pretty manual, yeah. Cool. Wow, pretty, that's awesome. pretty low tech operation. That's <laughs> amazing. I love that. Cool. All right. Well, thank <sighs> you guys so much. That was amazing. We really enjoyed that. Yeah. I'm glad to um, catch up with you again once you start writing your uh, new release so we can yeah. see if you've made any changes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That'd be great. We'll do this again. That'd be great. Yeah, we'll follow up. Sweet. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Great. Have a good night. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. you too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Lingua Italica. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode. Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past and present.